I got a 30-06 with a 12-power scope and a bullet that'll travel 2,200 feet per second. When that deer looked up to lick the salt sucker I'd hung from the dang old tree, caught him right above the eye. Yeah, well, I hit one with a van going 55 miles an hour with the headlights on and the horn blowing. Woo, that's an elusive little creature. What's up, man? Episode five, Harrier One, nine point buck zero. That's the title of this one. It's uh, <laughs> it's in the can. We had a couple different options. Uh, Luke was thirsty, was one of them. Uh, Luke from our squadron joined us. It was great. It was a great interview. And he uh, was fortunate enough to survive. Unfortunate enough to be involved in two mishaps and he talks about narrowly missing a third mishap at the end of his flying career he got a lot he got a lot of uh character from flying that airplane did he absolutely. not absolutely and even more character from flying a an, another airplane uh, that we lovingly refer to as the uh, the shitter was it the shitter yeah. yes the ch-53 <laughs> delta c stallion uh, but then, then Luke got smart and came to an airplane where he, he was involved in the two mishaps. Wait a minute. <laughs> what? What? How does right. that work? He, you got to be lucky or good. And I think in his case, he was just lucky. There you go. When your luck runs out, you got to be good. Join us for episode five, everybody. Here it is without further ado. So there I was. So how every great aviation tale begins. Repeat here, and I'm joined by my co-host tonight. Hey, this is Fig. Welcome aboard. I'd like to introduce our man, Luke. Hello, Luke. Hello, Fig. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. We're, uh, we're looking forward to hearing... Some great stories, and we're going to give you a chance to defend your honor on some of the things that may or may not have been already said about you in, <laughs> the, past, in the past. We don't Sounds care what good. those guys said about you. You're a great guy, Luke. Yeah, we love you anyway. <laughs> as far as you know, I'm okay. That's right. Yeah. So uh, let me start by asking you, uh, how did you... How did you get your start in aviation? Tell, t tell us how, what, 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 where'd that, what'd that look like for, for Luke? So I wanted to go to college. My dad was a school teacher and he looks at me and goes, you're going to figure out how you're going to do that because I don't have much money. And so I went and visited the ROTC guy and, and he said, well, you know, it'd really be good if you applied for ROTC and the Naval Academy. I'm like, All right. So I did. And, the more I started looking at it, the more I liked the thought of flying an aircraft, though I'd never even been on a plane before in my life. And uh, I'd never been out of the Midwest. I'd never seen 
the ocean. And so uh, sure enough, I went through all the wickets. And next thing I know, I had an ROTC scholarship to either University of Southern California, Northwestern, or the University of Illinois. And then they said, oh, and by the way, you also got an appointment to the Naval Academy. And I said, wow. Jeez. How much, does it cost? How much does it cost to go there? They go, they pay you. And I went, no. They yeah. must be desperate. <laughs> <laughs> so my first trip on an airplane was a one-way ticket to a BWI and then a shuttle service one way from BWI to Annapolis. So basically I took to shore and burned the boats. And that uh, was your first flight in an airplane ever. No way. Yes. That, that's wow. a great, Oh that, man. That's We're great the, all by itself. Power in the corner. And I sat in that seat and I went, Oh, this is a really good feeling. I really like this. I think I could do this every day for the rest of my life. Thank you. So that was my, yeah. and without that, I wouldn't have gone to the Naval Academy or I wouldn't have stayed at the Naval Academy. That place is crazy. So you're saying if you'd have ridden a Greyhound bus to, to Annapolis, uh, things might've turned out differently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Probably after a Greyhound bus, anything to get me there quicker. Would be well, that's true. Better. So what, what, what year at the Naval Academy were you when you got the um, aviation part? You know, after looking at it and the whole thing, I'm telling you, when I got on that United flight going out of Chicago, the guy puts the power in the corner and I just went, that's it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This nice. is so cool. But, but you went to the Naval Academy. Did you go to the Naval Academy with a, um, with an, were you already an aviation contract guy or did that come your junior or senior? How's that work for a Naval Academy guy? What they do is they line you up your senior year from the number one in the class to the number whatever. And each person goes in and they get their choice. And so, you know, the number one in this class gets to pick and keeps going and going. And I remember being in line and uh, Richie Lenekin, who ended up being my uh, roommate at TBS and I were in line and we look at each other and they go, I think, uh, I think I'm looking at that Marine Corps guarantee. He goes, that's what I'm looking at too. And I go, and he, he I go, you think they're going to run out? He goes, no, I think we'll make that. I think if we wanted to go naval aviation, we might run out on that one. And sure enough, we they called our numbers and we walked to the front. The guy said, welcome to the Marine Corps. We both look at each other and go, oh, this is going to be cool. <laughs> and so, so. So the Marines was the way into aviation. That, that, that's why I, that's the way I heard it. They, they gave us an air guarantee, which helped because yeah. you didn't, you, you, I don't know. At that point in my life, if they had said I had to roll the dice, I probably would have taken a naval aviation slot, even if I had to win. Yeah. And, uh, but then they said, okay, we'll guarantee going to Pensacola and being a pilot. And we're like, all right, sign me up for that program. I like that. So that's Eight. awesome. You got the, uh, the Marine Corps aviation guarantee and uh, you wound up going to TBS. This is the, you were class of 83 at the Academy, was it? Mm -hmm. So as Fox 83 at TBS, right? 50% okay. of my class was an aviation guarantee. Wow. 50% of the, of the, of the Fox class. Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> oh, cause it was all ROTC and Naval Academy guys, right? Mostly. We just graduated and they've sent us down there and we look around and we're like 50% out of 250, there are 125 soon to be aviators. Oh, that's not good. 
Well, I mean, that's, not, that's not good when you go to pick airplanes. Well, I kind of like the fact that we were all protecting our eyes and we really weren't sweating the TBS as bad. Well, that's probably true, too. The big suck, TBS. The Did you go, TBS were you doing the, the land nav course at night with, with goggles, safety goggles and the whole deal? <laughs> so oh, that's you great. can kick me in the rocks, but don't touch my eyes. <laughs> yeah. So TBS is the basic school. It's the Marine Corps school that all newly commissioned officers go to. And it's about a six-month course how to be a Marine officer, how to wear your uniform, all the protocols uh, that, and, and it's a basic introduction to all the MOSs, but it is referred to as the big suck, the big sleep, all sorts of things. It, 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 it kind of sucks. If you're going through the basic school with a air contract, it's a different, it's a different yes. experience than somebody that didn't like, I know you didn't have an air contract when you went to the basic school, right? I did. I lost it for eyesight. Oh, for the love of Pete. Yeah. So that's yeah. a kick right in the I Jimmy. I was in the one where we, they had like 400 guys. We were talking numbers. They had like 400 guys. And they said, well, uh, you know, you've got a heart murmur. You can't go to uh, you can't go to flight school. It's funny how you just like, found that after I've yeah. had six physicals prior to getting commissioning. Exactly. Now I got I a like, murmur. Wait a I can go hump a 70-pound pack on a 20-mile force march tomorrow, but I can't sit in an air-conditioned cockpit. And they're like, you got it, Lieutenant. It's a long, convoluted story. But I, <laughs> I wound up actually getting a – I did a DOR. They lost my, they lost my paperwork. And so instead of getting aviation supply or air traffic control, they gave me ground supply. And the only way I was able to get into the air wing as a new second lieutenant was to lose, was to DOR, drop on request, my flight contract and get a slot in Hawk missiles, which is what I wound up doing. And then I just kept applying to flight school over and over and over again so, until I finally got my flight contract back. But Jeez. Yeah. It, it was some squirrely stuff. I was 20, 20 minus three. This guy was standing across a darkened room holding up these little scrabble tiles and you had to read them. And I got them all in my left eye and I missed three out of like 30 in my right eye. Well, oh, oh, that's not good enough for a flight contract. So you're, you know, you're going to fail. Uh, it was brutal. It was numbers. But, it was numbers. Yeah, and they yeah, needed to cut they the numbers down. guys to go. And then they came in and took a bunch of guys, but I'm, I'm this is about two years behind Luke. Uh, they came in and offered anybody that still had and see, I did it too early because they came in and offered anybody that still had their contract to go right to the Navy and start flight school. And there were guys in my TBS class who took the Navy transition and were flying within six weeks. Yeah, but you, then you would have been a squid. Well, there's that. <laughs> it's a great second choice. Don't yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's a great second choice, but you still would have been a squid. You would have been repeat the squid. Yeah. <laughs> Same, wings the gold, baby. Same wings of gold. That was what was important <laughs> you, to me because yeah, I wanted right. to fly. So. The great second choice. I'm telling you. Yeah, exactly. So, so I wound up getting my first choice eventually. <laughs> it just took three years. So when Luke was telling his uh, story about standing uh, there with his roommate, then I noticed that his name started with an L as well. You guys were, room were you roommates at the Academy? No, but we were at TBS, and he was great. He, uh, Richie ended up being in VMA 231. Uh, his uh, oh, yes. Was Heine. Yes. It went from Linekin to Heineken, Heineken to Heine. <laughs> you yeah. know how those... those I, I remember him. Well, you awesome. you uh, you triggered a memory, and I'm just going to give you real quick. When you were you're standing in line there, and you were thinking um, if, there, if there was going to be enough slots to get to get this the naval aviation slot with through the Marines. You know, I, I went to Marine OCS between my 
junior and senior year of college as a PLC guy with an air contract. And, and I graduated and I was so mad. I was so pissed off at the Marine Corps that they treated me so harshly. When I got back to school, I called this Navy uh, officer recruiter, Oso, Navy Oso, who had been kind of, you know, hounding me before I went to the Marine route. I called him up and said, hey, I'm back from OCS. I graduated. And he's, hey, congratulations. I go, so what do I got to do now to get a commission in the Navy instead of the Marine Corps? It was quiet for about three seconds. And he says, well, you got to go to AOCS. And I was, I'm thinking, okay, drill instructors, the whole thing over. I said, F you. Hard and pass. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wasn't so mad anymore. Yeah. I got over it. <laughs> All right, so you go. Uh, you got the Marine uh, Aviation Guarantee, and you and off you go to Pensacola mm -hmm. after you graduate from the Naval Academy. Right. So, so walk us through the 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 next three or four years. Yeah, so I go to Pensacola, and the week I got through primary, they had they were only taking the first guy get his selection. Everybody else was going to helicopters, and the first guy didn't even take jets he wanted helicopters so they had a big time in there where they weren't taking jet guys and so anyways i flew helicopters i went out to uh tustin and flew the ch-53 as i used to tell people i can lift forty-two thousand pounds with my left hand i can lift a lot less than my right and uh 12 ounces anyway it was a those heavy haulers man you could you could definitely make some noise yeah. and with helicopters the more rotors you have the longer they are the more aerodynamically they're able to move and it was great uh, we had a lot of fun. it was semi-fast for a helicopter right and very yes very mm -hmm. powerful able to lift a lot of weight mm -hmm. and uh what what was the uh so it, it's it was called the sea stallion right that was the Correct. official name ch-53 sea stallion but yeah what was what was the uh what was what did everybody call it not the sea stallion the shitter because <laughs> if it wasn't leaking hydraulic fluid it probably was out <laughs> yeah I, I was i was hoping you were going to say that because yeah that's 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 what we always call it oh it's a shitter yeah yeah okay yeah well i flew the delta we did two tours to okinawa and we did one deal where we uh we loaded up the internal fuel tanks the external fuel tanks and um, we flew from Okinawa all the way to the Philippines. Oh dear, okay, how, that's a long way. How, how a, many how many hours is that in us in the CH fifty three? Remember, it took a while. What'd you cruise at? Did you bring a calendar instead of an airspeed indicator? Oh my gosh, we <laughs> took off and all the rotors were coning. I mean, the you could see them bending up because we were at max gross, and <laughs> you were like, "Oh my gosh, maybe this wasn't such a good idea." And the more we flew, of course, the lighter it got, the easier it got, and it's like survived and then we got to a farp on some island in the philippines and we refueled again and then we came in for the break at qb and uh qb was a very very good place to deploy to okay let's, let's get back to that i i want to i want to i want to come right to that but first let's what is i know what it is but just say what is a farp oh forward air refueling something with a p point point yeah 
Yeah. So it's a ground. They have fueling set up. So you landed, you refueled. Usually it's just a fuel bladder, right? Just a big fuel bladder on the ground with a pump. Mm-hmm. Well, you were a C-130 guy. Yeah. You did some of that, I bet, huh? Actually, uh, never did. That's uh, that's a, like Marine Corps expeditionary shit. And, um, you know, they, the Air Force, maybe the Air Force, the special ops C-130 guys might have done that. But we were just slick trash haulers. All right. So not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but so flying helicopters, what was the, uh, I've, I've had a couple fun, uh, fun adventures in helicopters, uh, all as a passenger. What was the uh, scariest thing you ever saw in helicopters? Hmm. Hey, before you answer, I'm going to, I'm going to just say, I made a deal with God back when we were in VMA 223, I made a deal with God that if he, if he let me live through this helicopter flight, I'd never get on another one again. And I haven't yet. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I did five combat tours, you know, in the air guard flying C-130s in three and two of them were in Afghanistan. And I told my crew, if something bad happens to me, something, anything, it doesn't matter. And I, and they want to air vac me, drag me out behind a mule. Do, do not put me on a helicopter. Let me bleed out. It's okay. I'm good. I made a deal with God. (laughs) Well, I, I guess the, I didn't have too much that scared me every once in a while, but uh, I guess we were out at San Clemente Island on the, in the Pacific out, off of California right. and uh, lost an engine and, you know, it kind of wakes you up and we were basically on short final or basically on, near the very close to the runway. So I just went ahead and landed it. Daytime or nighttime? And, uh, it was evening. Okay. So it was light out still. Yeah. And when you say you lost an engine, did you guys ever find it? <laughs> yes, we did. Um, so you mean so, you had an engine so failure? I had an engine failure. You are yes. correct. Yes. And so I taxied over to the side, talked to the guys at base, and they said, well, you're going to hang there and we'll get you an engine. <laughs> I'm like, give me an engine. Like, <laughs> And so sure enough, they brought an engine and I had to figure out how we were going to crane it onto that doggone helicopter. And <laughs> So I was talking to people around the base there and there weren't too many people. And this, we this was on, we, Clement, on the island. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bombing range. You know, there's not a lot yeah. of people. And so um, I borrowed a car from somebody and drove around and found some guys on the other end of the island that were doing some construction and uh, swap something. I don't know. Maybe I gave them some, who knows. Got a anyway, forklift. Got a forklift and a deal. Got duct a tape. Yeah, got a crane, and they brought it over to the flight line, and we craned down that doggone engine, and my boys attached it and hooked it up, and we put the old engine in the back and lit her up and headed home. Repeat, I don't know about you, but this whole thing, this whole story is making me sweat. It's telling me right now that a helicopter is a really bad idea. No matter how you slice it, it's a bad idea. Definition of a machine constantly trying to tear itself apart. Do you have any idea how many moving parts are involved in that, Luke? Uh, proof there is a God and he still wants me to live. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's there got a plan go. for me somehow, some way. But, he, but the, main, the main thing is, I want to focus on this for a second. The main thing is, you, you came to the light and became a <laughs> yeah. jet pilot. Yeah. So let's, how did that happen? Because... Uh, I, Otherwise, we we would never have 
we never would have met. <laughs> so I, I'm reading the message board one day and they say they want to take three transition pilots. They want a 53 pilot. They want a 46 pilot and they want one of the Cobros. And I look at that and I go, why not me? And so I went through the, all the paperwork, did everything I needed to do and took all the pictures and sent in my package. Didn't think anything more of it. Nice. Kind of cruising through life. And then all of a sudden the message comes out. These three people have been selected and my name is right there for CH 53s. And I remember reading the red message board myself and going, no, no. Holy. And everybody in my squad was like, wait, how'd you do that? I just applied. They're like, Better to be lucky than good boys. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where were you? Were you in your, the first tour in your fleet squadron when that happened? Well, it was, yeah, it's my first fleet squadron tour. It was my second deployment to Okinawa. And so I got word right when I was in Okinawa. And uh, that was a good feeling. I was like, man, I know where I'm going next. Nice. So I, I, That's awesome. Once, so right when we got back i prepared to go to meridian mississippi and transition and that was a that was interesting in itself going through meridian as a captain you're kind of you know everybody else is in the ready room talking about stuff that went on last night and all this right. and yeah, I'm you're got, married you got a kid maybe, maybe and you already had wings on your chest you too got you wings. had naval aviator wings on your chest and those yeah. the other students didn't plus you're an old guy now right you're kind of an old guy <laughs> I got over a thousand hours, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're salty. So you're, sal you're salty, of, old salty Marine guy. So one of my favorite stories about flight school at that time was I had two ladies in my class. Uh, one of them was great. She was intense. She got it. She studied hard. She worked hard. The other one was kind of blonde and, uh, kind of hey, hey, hey. <laughs> made a lot of noise. And, uh, we're uh getting ready to go to the boat and you know how they put you in that shack and they t2 t2s or a4s t2s okay and they're they're swapping us out so we'd be ready to go and you know do that clps all day you know and it'd be three times you do it in a day anyways we're in this old shack and we'd wait for our turn and then we'd go jump in the jet and go and so sure enough there's a wasp on the on the window and it's making a lot of noise and this this girl had always preached how much she wanted to be able to go to combat. It was wrong that she couldn't go to combat and that we could and blah, blah, blah. Well, this wasp starts making some noise and she's right next to it. And all of a sudden she just screams. She goes, it's a wasp, it's a wasp. And I'm like, and it moves right over towards my side of the window. And I just take my fist and I just kill the wasp. And I look at her and I just go, so you want to go to combat? Nice. you can imagine every nice. place there's that silence and yes it was this roar and yes crimson red and i'm just like and i and i looked at the other girl and of course i just kind of smiled and she smiled back like she gets yeah. it she does and so we had the, the two contrasts it was perfect and the fclps he was talking about is field carrier landing practice where you go and you pretend you're landing on a carrier that there's a carrier deck painted on the field and you're graded on every pass and you rotate out on jets so that they can get a bunch of students through at the same time, get you ready to go to the boat. And, and, uh, that's how they pre prep you for it. Like muscle memory. Cause you do it so many times over the course of the nature. two weeks. And then when you go to the boat, yeah. you forget everything, but your body's still doing it. Exactly. exactly. Yep.
I want to just backtrack a little bit. The girls, the two females that you're talking about, they were Navy. Yes. Naval. They were Navy, Navy uh, officers, correct? Because you back then they didn't let. Uh, I think the first people. women aviators in the Marine Corps came around 91, 92, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. And so this was obviously before that. Right. It was about 1990. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause you, yeah. Cause you joined us in 91, early nine, like January 91. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, so you, uh, you, you got there, we were in uh, 223. We're all spooling up to get ready to go to uh, desert shield and a lot of heavy weapons debts and preparing uh, be, to be uh, stone cold killers and dropping uh, bombs and shooting missiles and firing the cannon Good stuff. We're and for, right. Yeah. And, but we were, we were the squadron that got kind of got left behind and we had a bunch of uh, hangar queen jets and a bunch of, a bunch of folks that weren't combat qualified and trip got handed here, make it, make it happen. Get guys ready. Uh, and, and he did an amazing job of doing that and getting us out to do the heavy weapons dance in Yuma and Fallon and, and dropping, I, you know, the funny thing was talk to our buds that were out in this, out on the West coast, we were out there and we were dropping more rock eye and Mark 81s and 82s and firing the Zunis and firing the cannons than any of those guys ever were. And they had access to the ranges every day. That's true. So that was kind of a cool thing about it. We had our own version of FCLPs and the Harriers. And so we did them at, uh, we had a boat painted on the deck at, uh, at Bogue field. And, uh, Luke, as I recall, you were, uh, you were the only guy in the pattern one day at Bogue field. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Yes. That was the, uh, you know, you think you got a maid, you go, I got, it's, it's just me, man. I can do so many doggone landings. I'm going to, I'm going to be the man. Yeah. And you're, I'm on the runway on that little Bogue field makeup of a LHD. Is that what it was? LPH. And that's anyway. aluminum. It was aluminum matting, right? Aluminum yeah. matting, all painted up. Yep. Yep. And so, I remember putting the power in the corner, putting my hand over on the nozzles. I'm starting my scan, and then somebody says brakes. I remember looking down at my feet. Oh, I'm not even touching the brakes. I get my scan going again, and as I'm getting close to the deck edge, I pull in my nozzles and I look, and it's only eighty percent. It's supposed to be like a hundred and seven. I'm going, what the. F and I go, this isn't going well. <laughs> and so I pulled the nozzles all the way back. I put the power forward to get to slow down the aircraft. And I jam on the brakes. I don't know if you remember Bogue Field at that time. There were trees right at the end of that matting. And I'm looking at those trees and I'm like, ooh, that is not going to be a pretty sight. I'm They're like tall left. redwoods at that point, right? They weren't. They weren't <laughs> Giant little, sequoias. Man. They were grown up. They were, they were older than I was. <laughs> And I kicked it hard left. And I'm like, oh, I miss the trees. I could live through this. And I look, there's a big berm in front of me. And I go, no, I'm going to flip. I'm like, Son of a, I hit it right then. And I miss the berm and I start slowing down. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm going to live. <laughs> and meanwhile, when I am getting close to that deck edge, I hear eject, eject, eject. And I'm going, no, 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 not yet, not yet. And I don't know if you guys have been through this, but there's a lot of stuff that happens. You remember every doggone thing. It's it's wild. Time compression. And, oh, yeah. my God. And so 
No, I flip the top and I, I'm getting out. I look back and I see people running out of buildings and I see the crew rolling. And I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> and I look and you look on the runway and you can see where I started applying brakes. There's black marks. And you can see where those black marks turn and depart the runway surface. And then you see where the wheels are in the grass. And it looks like a farmer just went through with a plow and all the <laughs> dirt is all kicked up. And I'm like, son of a gun, maybe I should have ejected. <laughs> and then they come and get me and they take me back there. And the uh, LSO was tripped. And uh, squadron commanding officer. Yes. And well, we both, we all know Trip. Love him like your dad, but at the same point, you're scared of him like your dad. Yeah. And so I just remember they put Trip and I in a pickup truck. And Trip was driving. They said, go back, take you both to medical, get your uh, physical. So we're driving and it is totally quiet. And I'm like, this is as good as it's going to get, man. Quiet is my friend right now. I'm going to stay quiet. And I'm going to live to see tomorrow. Did Trip come pick you up? Well, Trip was my LSO. He had to go oh, get a physical. Tube. He had to go take the physical too because he was involved in the mishap. And he's, and he and he's the one that called eject, right? I, so we're driving. And we're, yes, he cut out there. He said yes. And I can see over there. He's kind of starting to get worked up, and I'm like, "Oh, it's going to happen any minute now. Any minute now. Here it comes." <laughs> and then he just explodes, man. Luke, what the hell happened out there? I tell, I don't know whether to kick your ass because I told you to eject or, or kiss you for saving the damn aircraft. And I go, and I just lean back and I'm like, well, I prefer neither at this time. But <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't remedy anything, Let's of see, course. Ass kicking or a kiss? Which of these? <laughs> oh boy. You're, you're a good looking man, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. So I told him everything I saw and how I saw it. And he simmered down a little bit and we went and got our physicals. And I remember sitting out, out after you got the physical, you know, you're kind of sitting, waiting for the results. And I remember it just hit me. I said, Man, I almost died. He's telling me to eject. And I, I'm like, wow. And then it kind of, whew, all right. That was a big deal. Can I ask a couple of questions regarding this incident? Just some details. Yeah. So you, this was in at landing or takeoff? Takeoff. Okay. So just so we're, uh, we can describe this properly, when mm -hmm. we do a takeoff off a ship in a Harrier, it's a rolling takeoff till you get to a certain point where there's a stripe, right? And at that mm -hmm. stripe, you, you, you put the nozzles to a predetermined angle that you've already set. Mm -hmm. You throw the nozzles down, and then the airplane should, about the time that's leaving the ship, fly off, right? Right. So, obviously, on a ship, you're sitting 50 feet off the water. So, when you roll off the front, you're flying or swimming. But in this case, you're rolling down this aluminum matting that's supposed to be a deck of a assault ship, and you hit that stripe, and you hit the, you rotate the nozzle lever aft, i.e., take off. And at that point, it didn't go. Is that right? That's correct. It just, it kind of did this rumble thing. And I'm going, this is not good. <laughs> it's crashing time. <laughs> yeah. So, so for, for, for uh, uh, every, everyone that's not a, maybe a, a, a aviation aficionado, the Harrier has one brake. 
one, not yeah. not two, two like a normal uh, fighter type aircraft has two brakes, one on each main landing gear. Well, the Harrier only has one main landing gear because we have a weird landing gear configuration. So it has one brake. And that one brake really, really, really was kind of a joke. It, In fact, I think you got the question from Tower one day. Often you'll get question when yeah. the runway is wet from uh, the tower controller. Can you state the braking action? Meaning, you know, is the runway slick? Uh, are you able to stop? What's and and I think you got that question. Did you not fake one day? And I did one day. They said, <laughs> yeah. "Can you say the braking action?" And I said, "You realize we don't have good brakes anyway, right?" <laughs> I may have said that a little less eloquently. I think you said the brakes in this thing suck. That's the braking <laughs> action. <laughs> but um, so that, that was my recollection. But yeah, so Luke's riding to the hospital, and you go get your uh, your physical. And what was the outcome of that? Physical was fine. Now it was investigation time and repeat. The safety officer came and sat me down and said, you need to write all this stuff down. You need to go through it in your head. You need to get it all straight. What happened, you know? And the more you're able to do it repetitively, the more you're going to be ready to uh, get to the bottom of it. And so you never want to go to one of those meetings with a long table and everybody's got a drink of water, but you. But that's where it, I ended up. <laughs> I was on one of those meetings where everybody had a glass of water but me. And Luke was at the wrong end of the table. Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh, it's fun, man. You, I'm just <laughs> telling you right now, as an aviator, you do not want to be there. But you got to be, so you, you do it. And they grilled me, man. It must have been two, three, maybe four hours. I can't remember now. It was a long time ago. I just remember it was very painful and it was very meticulous and tedious and all those kind of words that you want to jam in there and it was the the head test pilot at mcdonald douglas jackie jackson yeah. one of my heroes um it was the wing safety officer it was the group safety officer it was rolls royce uh, alan mcdonald it was i just remember you know all kinds of people that i kind of knew but maybe didn't know them as well and uh so we went through it all and they kept asking questions and they kept on going back. Why didn't you go through the limiters and take that thing off and just get it off the deck? And I said, well, I guess I was on the deck and I figured I'd just try to do what I could there. And sure enough, you know, that once they're done, they're done. Everybody leaves the room except Colonel Jackson. Colonel Jackson is still one of my heroes. I don't care whatever happens, period. He comes, sits right down next to me and he goes, you know what? I couldn't have done any better. And I look at him. I'm like, really? He goes, that's from a test yeah. pilot of the, that's a, that guy. That, that's a test pilot himself that flies that airplane. The best Harrier yeah. pilot I ever knew. I think yep. the guy with the most Harrier, at least for a long time, he had the most Harrier hours of anybody. Let's just say he has a ever. He's yeah. he's the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Was. Yeah. he was. Jackie Jackson. He was like, and so for him to sit next to me and tell me that was like, thank you. I, kind of needed to hear that because i was kind of yeah. questioning myself he said no no man if you go and eject in that situation you're you're you might be a little cannon off and you get shot into the trees and die you go through yeah. the limit which is you don't know what you're in now you're Listen, flying man flying. Just, just because you got an ejection handle available doesn't mean it's going to go well right. ever that that's right. a that's that's not a guarantee either plus right. it's a very violent event <laughs> yes I, or so i've been told and so, um, so that helped. And so time went by Rolls Royce did all their investigations 
and they came to find out that those inlet guide gain, inlet guide vanes in the front of that engine had frozen. That's why it was only 80%. Well, and well, well. And if I had gone through those limiters, that it would have had a, um, uh, it would have basically flamed out the engine. You would have had a compressor. It, it, you, would have called a, you would have caused a compressor stall. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you so, would have been really screwed. Right. And then you would have been into those trees at full ejecting. force. Yeah. And right. ejecting. Right. We might not. Let's just be honest. We might not, not be having this conversation. No. Yeah. Right. We'd be so, saying, oh, you remember old Luke? God, that guy was great. Right up to the point where he wasn't great anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it kind of made me feel good. And yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so they pulled a little thing in Natops. I don't know if you ever saw it. I never I read the thing. It, I used to call it my paragraph. <laughs> 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 and that paragraph said that, please note, inlet guide vanes may freeze and kind of went through the whole thing that I'd gone yeah. through. And the good news is this had probably happened before, but they never had an aircraft to look at afterwards. Right. And so now they got to look at it. They got to figure it out. They got to do things and make the Harrier better aircraft. So in the end, I thought it was a story I'm proud to survive. But at the time, <laughs> there was a lot of consternation. Hey, and, hey, Luke, what when was that? Do you remember the date? Uh, not, not, I don't. I don't need a specific date, but was that in '91 or was that in early '92? '91, probably October '91, because okay. I was on. We used to joke. I don't know if you remember that I was on double secret probation, and <laughs> I, you were you were always on double secret probation because <laughs> you were a shitter pilot for crying out loud. <laughs> So here I am on double secret probation. And I'm trip sorry, I had to say stuff. that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Luke. I had to say that. I'm okay with that. I'm proud of my heritage. <laughs> and so, so here I am coming off a of double secret probation, and it's like January, I think. And uh, we're going out, and we had a great day. We did a low level. We did drop bombs. We just had a great day there. At great day. And we're coming in for a landing. And um, it was after the sun had already set, so it was dark. And as I'm as I'm coming in for a landing, um, something brown goes past my windscreen. I'm like, "What the frick?" And all of a sudden, thump thump. I'm like, "Ah!" Go tower. I just hit something on the runway. They go, "Roger, bulldog." Such a, such. Wave it off. They go, "What do you think you hit?" I said, "I think I hit a deer." And they go, "Oh, all right, all right." And but it was on the left side. And the aircraft wants to lean wing down on the right side. And I'm like, what the heck? But I go, well, I'm in a Harrier. I can do miraculous things here. I pull in my nozzles. I start adding power. And that wing stand up, stand up, stand up. Get down to about 10, 20 knots. And all of a sudden, thump, the wing wing drops down and just stops. You know, it's like, boom. And I'm like, son of a gun. And I pop the top. And about to get out. And meanwhile, the crash crew's there. And all the guys in the big potato suits are looking at me. And I'm like, can I take my time or is this a rush deal? <laughs> and they just start laughing. They go, you take time, sir. You're good. I'm like, good. So I took the time. I got out. And sure enough, I'd hit two deer on that runway. The one on the left was a little nub. The one on the right was a nine-point buck. The biggest. And that, and that collapsed the gear on the right? Took the, yeah. hit that took the outrigger out? Yep. So you got that shear pin on the two outriggers. Yep. And if it too much force rather than rip the whole wing off it just breaks that shear pin 
yeah. and it kind of just flaps in the back. And so the, the, uh, so they just put a new shear pin in it and towed it back to the, the line. And in the morning I came out and the guys are, are laughing. They're going, you know, I'm the quality officer at that time. And they're like, sir, you got, I had been the flight line officer. And they're like, sir, you got to come out and see your aircraft. And I go, all right. I go out there and they put two silhouettes of deer on the side of the, the instead uh, of MIGs, you got deer. You got yeah, MIGs yeah, painted I, on the I, side. You had deer, you had deer, right? right? I got my kill. I got my two kills. And so I they remember were, that, dude. I remember that. They're cagey little creatures. Wait, wait, but there's more to this story, if I yes. remember. Oh, yeah. And so the, the crash crew cleaned that whole venison thing and they uh they gave it all to all the meat or they split the meat with us, but we had a great party that next Saturday night and everybody ate venison. Yep. And, uh, and I still and got the nine point buck antlers right here in the office. Right up there. So I want a picture of that. I'm going to make that the uh, picture for this episode. I'm going to put that out on the artwork for this given episode. I was talking to Luke earlier today, and I thought that plaque had disappeared. Well, I thought that plaque. Did you take that out of the ready room? Somebody gave it to me. Okay. When I was you got, yeah, and you got to just hail and farewell. He says. So, so if I remember right, though, there was a there was a there was a USDA game warden on Cherry Point. And he yes. came to the ready room, right? Yeah, you guys, do you know this part? I remember this, yes. Tell me Luke, this part. Luke, do you want to expand on this? No, I never, I, heard, I never heard Well, this. come on. So so I, I was in the ready room when this guy walks in, and uh, I wasn't by myself. There was multiple, you know, company-grade officers in the ready room. He comes in, and he goes, I want to know who the pilot is that hit the deer. And we're like, that's we all point at Luke. Luke, he's down the hall. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we did. We did. You know, we did. We, you know, he's a, first of all, he's an outsider. So, you know, you don't talk to outsiders. You go, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Says, why do you want to talk to him? Well, he, uh, he's, he's a poacher. You know, he's in violation. I, I need to meet. I need the, I need the car. I need everything. Right. I'm, uh, if he can't produce that, then I'm going to write him a, you know, he's going on and on and we're looking at each other. Like what the F is actually going on. So eventually we not, we screwed with this guy bad, badly. We screwed <laughs> with him badly. And then eventually he left in a huff because obviously he, he wanted either, all the deer and the remains and the antlers, or he wanted your name and he wanted to write you a fine for not turning over this. You know, of course we didn't throw anybody under the bus. We knew where it all went. The crash crew guys took most of it. And, and of course, so anyway. That's I, that I, I love it. That's the, that's the part of the story I didn't know. Oh, I thought you knew that. Well, no, that was good. So I actually think cheese was myself cheese because i remember cheese was really talking fast cheese was uh four or five cups of coffee into the day when this guy walks in and wanted ah. to know who hit the deer who poached the deer where the deer was where the meat was and he really rolled in on this dude and of course we all just kind of ch chimed in after that that's good stuff yeah good stuff that's a great story having fun with that guy yeah so so yeah so luke wound up with that plaque though we had the plaque with the ant the, the antlers the rack mounted well yeah. that that's going to be the picture of this episode right
How many points on that? How many points on that? Turn around, uh-huh. count them. Nine? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> so when guys in Pennsylvania start telling their deer stories, I let them talk. And then I come in with my deer story. <laughs> Did you tell them you killed yours with a 25-millimeter gun that you didn't even have to fire one round out of? <laughs> hey, uh, uh, I want to back up just a second. That The staters that froze on your airplane on that boat field incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a reason why VMA 214 lost an airplane on, on July 4th of uh, 1992. And it was uh, one of my, one of my uh, best, best friends from the Marine Corps. Uh, it, it happened. Uh, it, it was a VMA 214 guy uh, that um, we, we, you know, we swapped out with VMA 214 when we went to Iwakuni and that'll be another story. But uh, that same thing happened to him on takeoff out of uh, Davenport, Iowa. Same thing. What did he do? Oh, was that Smitty? It was after Jeff the air show. Yeah, Jeff Smith, JJ Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was horrible. Yeah, it was, but it was the exact same. It was the exact same thing that happened to you. And what did he do? Well, he, he tried to stop the airplane on the on the runway. It was a short runway and uh, wasn't able to stop. No, it went it off. Was, uh, that was a tragic one. He, he ejected a little late. He went off the end of the runway. Uh, yeah. it ripped the bottom of the, uh, ripped the gear off. So the airplane was now a canoe Ripped the nose gear off when he went yeah. through, uh, he went through the first ditch, ripped the and nose. He said, gear That's off. enough fun. I'm done. He pulled the yeah. handle and, and got out. But of course, at this point in time, the airplane now comes to a stop and it was loaded with two drop tanks and a full bag of fuel, which exploded. And, uh, he was about, 80 to 90 feet in the air when the fireball came up and melted his chute and he, he died. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we all lost a lot of, a lot of good friends. Uh, this, this was never, we were never promised this was going to be a safe operation or a safe business. You know, we'd be as safe as we could, but it's a dangerous business. And, uh, a lot of men gave their lives, uh, doing this. And, uh, do you guys recall ever hearing from a commander? or a mentor. Mine was from the wing commander at, at, in Meridian when I checked in for jet training. And he said, look to your left and look to your right. So we all did. And he said, if you spend a 20-year uh, career in naval aviation, one of those two people you just looked at won't be here. And that's, that's pretty spot on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I lost count, but I, it, it's, somewhere in the dozen to a dozen and a half range of, of close friends that, uh, that I lost over the course of the, uh, of my career. And I know you guys are in the same boat. Well, yeah. so there were nine guys from my TBS class that got Harriers. And then before the first tour was over, three of the nine were no longer with us. Yeah. And one of them was biscuit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Biscuit was a squadron mate of ours for you listeners. Biscuit was a VMA 223 squadron mate of ours. And uh, it was rough. It was rough when you lose a squadron mate in your squadron. It's rough when you, it's rough when you lose a buddy, but it's really rough when you lose a squadron And I mate. recall, Fig, were you in the van? We were up in Fallon. We were in Fallon, and we were coming back from, I think, Lake Tahoe. We'd spent yeah. like the Marine weekend birthday Lake ball, Tahoe. Lake Tahoe, 1991. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and we were on our way home and I remember hearing on the news, it was Paul Harvey news and comments when we heard that the Marines lost a, a Harrier in Europe. 
and the pilot had been killed. And of course, at that point in time, we didn't know who it was. Right. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. We were in the van. Yeah. So, so you remember Pete Woodmancy? Yes. Woody. Yeah. So Woody was CO of VMA 223 during Operation Enduring Freedom. And he flew the 50,000th mishap free hour into combat. In the Harrier. Yes. VMA 223. In other words. And so when he got back, I called him and I said, Woody, that was awesome. You know, you flew the 50,000th mishap free hour into combat. I mean, you are badass. And right. So he goes, dude, I should be thanking you. I go, what do you think of me? You, know, you and Yurovich, man, you always used to be yelling at each other and carrying on about, you know, Yurovich wanted to launch everybody and you ground them because you're the quality guy and you're just going back and forth. And basically you guys set a culture that said, we want to launch every aircraft on time, but we're not going to do it unless it's safe. And I'm like, wow. So I played a role in that. He's like, dude, you yes, did. You did. Because yes, the last time the squadron was Biscuit. And I'm yeah. like, what do you think? I kind of like that. Thanks. It made me feel like the time I spent in the Marine Corps was of value. And so right after that, I got, I said, I should pass that on to somebody. So I called Dan Yurovich. And he was the CEO of Barry Controls in Boston. And I called him and talked to him. And I go, I go, so maybe what we did made a difference. He goes, Luke, I need to hear that, man. That was good stuff. The French are driving me crazy. They own this company and they make me fly over to France every month. And they shit all over me and make make my life miserable. <laughs> I go, yeah. And he so goes, Dan, Dan was our maintenance officer. Correct. Not a pilot, but a maintenance officer. And he was awesome. Yeah. Great leader, great leader, great advocate. And, uh, and I just want to point that out. When you said his name, I remember that. Yes. Always, always an advocate for... For so, us, for, for safety, and was a great leader for the Marines. Yes. So, so he said, I'm, I'm heading to Pennsylvania. Help turn around another company. You got any interest? I go, no, I'm good, man. My job's, I'm in a good position. And within two weeks, they came in and said, the company's been sold. We're probably not going to be needing you. And I went, huh, Dan, hey, remember that job? And that's what brought me to Pennsylvania. Is it? Worked, that's how you I got was, to Pennsylvania? Yeah. Are you still working uh, for the same company? No, no. But we turned okay. around the company and okay. we did good work and uh, sold it. And I was uh, one of the owners. And uh, we, Great. Uh, it worked out pretty well. That's and, awesome, buddy. But, but it shows your relationships in the Marine Corps continue to. Yes. After Carry on through Corps, life. Yeah, and, you know, you always got each other's back, and I always had Dan's back, and it was it was great working with him. He's a great person, and uh, it, it was just fun. Great story. So, yeah. Thank you. Indeed. Yeah. So I, I've got one other story I want to I want your perspective on. Um, mm-hmm. So we did we did Westpac together, summer of '92. We're over in Iwakuni, Japan. Great time. And, uh, on the weekends, we used to for those of us that were too poor to buy a $300 car with four other guys (laughs) we'd get on bikes and and ride bikes up into the hills and there was this one place and and none of us can remember what it was called it was like two falls or seven springs or something like that but but it had waterfalls that you could jump off of and good swimming and 
a lot of Japanese locals were up there. A lot of the Marines would wind up up there and, and swimming and, and, uh, spot an hour, maybe an hour and 15 ride on the bicycle to get up there and, and back. Uh, but it was, it was good, good hill up into the, up into that area. And then, uh, of course, downhill on the way back. And that's where I want you to pick up the story, Luke. I remember <laughs> riding behind you, uh, one day cu- coming back from the waterfalls. Yeah. And, uh, uh, looking forward to that beer machine on the corner, which by the way, I don't, it's still in Japan. You can buy a beer out of the vending machine on yeah. a street corner, which is a pearl beer yeah. from a machine. <laughs> yeah. Cold. But I digress. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> So here we are coming back and we, we had gone up these mountains and it was, it was hell. You know, we got up there and we jumped in the springs and cooled off and we said, Hey, the nice part is when we're going back. It's going to be all downhill. Well, you got to remember these bikes we have are a little old. Well, maybe we didn't get them inspected. Maybe we didn't do much maintenance on them. And sure hey, enough, what are those bikes called Benjo bombers? Well, I'll tell you right Binjo now. Binjo bombers. <laughs> they call Binjo bombers for a reason. Why were they called Binjo bombers? What were the Binjo ditches? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm they would coming- flood. They would flood full of water. Binjo ditches. Binjo oh, bombers. Okay, go ahead. So I'm coming down and I'm coming pretty fast. I realize I don't have brakes. And I realized <laughs> that I'm not slowing down at all. In fact, my speed is picking up at a geometric rate and i'm going holy cow and i just never even imagined that this situation would occur and i'm but the good news <laughs> is you had on shorts a t-shirt and some flip-flops right so you were all the safety gear you could possibly want right i was i was ready for anything and so i am going and i'm going <laughs> all i can think of is one of these turns i'm going to go off the end and it's cliffs i mean we're not talking it ain't pretty. There is oh, it's no 60, 80 that- feet down into the woods and trees. One of a volcanic island. It's a volcanic island. Yeah. Right. That's grown up with lush undergrowth, but it's a volcanic island with treacherous, sharp right. rocks. Yeah. Let's not lose the fact that that road was a cliff right on the other end. <laughs> and so finally, I just said, this is it, man. I got to, I got to just, I got to lay it down. And so I'm, by now, who knows what speed is it? It felt like really fast, like a ludicrous, ludicrous speed. And so I lay that sucker down and man, I was feeling pain for at least a couple of weeks. I mean, I skinned up my legs. It was, oh, it was, but sometimes you just got to lay it down. I figured I lived. So that was, um, you did, you used every, every molecule of skin on your body to his brakes, but, uh, yeah. The uh, brakes on the was, Harrier sucked. The brake on the Benjo Bomber. The brake on the Harrier sucked, <laughs> but the brakes on the Benjo Bomber was uh, not inconsequential. Doc Riddle. Was Doc Riddle involved in your rehabilitation and the ointment used for the scabs on your leg and your legs, arms, and butt cheeks? Yes. Doc Riddle saved my life more than once. We got to get Doc on. I have his contact info. Doc Riddle, he was our Navy flight surgeon former Marine Corps artillery officer prior to being our flight surgeon will be a great interview yeah. if we can find him. I got him. I know where he is. He's probably a plastic surgeon making more money than God. Than the three right of us now. put together. <laughs> yes. So, so I'm in Newburgh, Indiana and there you go. living in this nice neighborhood and I'm running this company and 
I look one day, I'm walking through the neighborhood, and who is one of my neighbors but Doc Riddle? Yep. Are you kidding me? Yep, that's where he lives, Newburgh, Indiana. B- blew my brains out. I was just <laughs> like, holy cow, what are you doing here? He goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> what, what kind of medicine was he practicing? I don't Quackery. know. Yeah, quackery, man. (laughs) Quackery. So so the funny thing is, you know, these guys that were our former flight surgeons, they they, just because they were flight surgeons doesn't mean they well, for instance, my dermatologist currently here in Kansas Mm -hmm. City was the VMA 214 flight surgeon from back in our day. No way. He became a dermatologist. Yeah. And he's he's my dermatologist. He's awesome, by the way. If you're in Kansas City and one of the dermatologists name is John Rupp, he's amazing. You've got good skin. That's a free plug for John. There you go, right? (laughs) Perry Bechtel went on to be with the Blues. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. yes. He's a good dude. He was our. He was the guy after uh, Riddle, right? Uh, I think I thought he was before. He before? No, no, he would have been after. Before he was after because uh, because yeah, he he went to the Blues about the time I was getting out, and he went straight from us to the Blues. Yeah. Yeah. So Perry Bechtel, Doc Riddle. Shot over. Yeah. Shot out. He was an artillery guy. He, he, he spoke the language. He Shot was, out. You know, <laughs> when, it, when it was time for the, uh, you know, the uh, prostate check, he'd say, okay, just lean into the table. Just lean, lean into the table and relax. Are you kidding me? He'd go, <laughs> Doc, why are both your over. hands on my hips? <laughs> <laughs> why, are bo- why are both your hands on my shoulders? <laughs> <laughs> He'd go, shot over. (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my ass. (laughs) That's awesome. Luke, it's so good to talk to you, buddy. It's so good to see your your pretty face, good-looking head, (laughs) that amazing mustache you have, handlebar mustache. There you go. Amazing. Yes. Good stuff. Yes. Great stories. Great memories. Thank you. It was, I was just about to get out in 1994 and they said I was on the flight schedule. I said, I'll, I'll go ahead and give away this flight. I'll make yesterday my last flight. And Andy Bigelow took my flight Andy. and on short final, he had a compressor stall and had to eject. And I go, man, that's a good day not to fly for me. I think good. Every once in a while I make good decisions. So- Would have hit the trifecta on mishaps, man. Oh man, <laughs> you know, been... Andy. He... I'm sorry to interrupt, gentlemen. No. Andy Bigelow is 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 works for the company that I work for, and I see him from time to time. We're going to have to have him on and have. Yeah. I'd like to do a four way. Can we do a four way, Pete? Sorry, Ted. It's a dumb question. Skip that. We get Luke and talk about that day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Absolutely. Because Andy was a transition guy too. Was he a fifty-three guy or forty-six guy, or was he a skid guy? I don't Do you know. remember? I don't remember. I don't remember. But I know he was guy. a transition guy. There was you, Andy, uh, and we got some guys at the very end. A- Andy was one of them, and and uh, who was the guy that was a CH forty-six pilot? Uh, came about the same time you did. You talking about really Ke- bo- uh, Kevin um, Boston accent? Yeah, yeah. Boston- uh, Kevin McDougal. McDougal. McDougal, yeah. you yeah. know he married a Navy. He uh, married Jen. Jen's at my he, company, and 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 Kevin's a at, uh, an Atlanta-based uh, major. So so, 
So we need to get those. We need to get those guys on too, bro. Oh yeah, oh, it makes sense. He's great. Yeah, he, he McDougal. He, he sold me his truck for a dollar. <laughs> he goes, I got my truck. I said, what do you want? And he goes, just give me a buck. We'll call it even. I go, you're kidding, right? He goes, I just got to get rid of the sucker. And it was an old Toyota pickup truck. And man, that thing served me well. It served me well. I So I owe him still. Nice. nice. They're good people. I, I uh, you know, flash forward about four years from, from our time in Iwakuni, I was passing through Meridian. And this is another story. I'll just hit the bullets real quick. Uh, ferrying an airplane back to Cherry Point. And I uh, ended up having to spend the night there, and they put me up, him and his wife. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah, they're, they're good folks. So we are coming to the end of the time here, I guess, folks. Uh, let me uh, put out what I haven't put out on other shows, but if you have questions for us, you can always reach out to us at uh, fig at so there I was dot us or repeat at so there I was dot us. Repeat spelled R-E-P-E-T-E, not the way you might think it was. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at so there I was dot us slash Facebook or so there I was dot us slash Twitter. If you want to follow us there, we need some followers there as well. But uh, so let me say uh, again, thank you, Luke, for joining us. Uh, it's been Luke, a lot of awesome. fun catching up. You're awesome, buddy. Yeah, Great stuff. <laughs> thank so, you. Enjoy the so. Big round of applause, ladies and gentlemen, for my man, Luke. <laughs> I miss you, bro. I miss you. I do too, man. I feel like I'm 27 and bulletproof again. Just talking <laughs> to you. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to go out and ride wheelies. I'm going to go out and ride wheelies down my street on my lawnmower. In the meantime, guys, God bless and check six. Mistakes were made.